Aloha, it's Robert Stelic. Welcome to the Blue Planet Show, where I interview wingfoil athletes, designers, and thought leaders right here from my home office in the garage. We talk about wingfoil technique and equipment, and I'm also trying to get to know my guests, their background, what inspires them, and how they live each day to the fullest. You can watch these long interviews on YouTube or listen to them as a podcast on the go. Just search for the Blue Planet Show on your favorite podcast app. This show is made for those of you who are as crazy about wing foiling as I am. I'm not rushing through these interviews. This is like the opposite of a 30 second Instagram video. They're super long interviews and I know they're not for everyone. And really I'm just making these for the 5% of you that actually watch the whole thing. So I hope you're one of those elite people at the very top, the five percenters and that you're gonna watch the whole thing. Today's interview is with Kane DeWild. He is an amazing young athlete. And before I talked to Kane, I didn't realize how involved he is in the design aspect of the sport. Uh, foil design, board design, and also developing and R&Ding wings. So he has some really in-depth knowledge probably more than anyone I've talked to so far. And that's why this interview goes pretty long, but I think you'll find every minute of it is very interesting and I could have actually kept going for a lot longer. So without further ado, here is Kane DeWild. All right, Kane, welcome to the Blue Planet Show. It's great to have you here. So to get started, maybe just tell us a little bit about your background. Start from the very beginning. Where did you grow up? And tell us about your early childhood memories that kind of got you into water sports and so on. Yeah, hi Robert. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's super cool that you're that you're hosting something like this, and I love listening to them. So, so it's going to be fun. I started the whole journey uh, probably in middle school, getting into sailing, super into surfing, skimboarding, and through sailing, I dinghy racing. Actually, I as a natural like evolution of dinghy racing, you I wanted to learn how everything works and, and how to improve and how I could tune my sail better and shift my weight in the boat better to, to go to get a slight edge. And so I started researching how boats work, how how sails work, how your rudder and daggerboard work. And that's kind of what started it. After that So sorry, but you were born and raised on Maui or Yeah, born and raised on Maui. I grew up country, lifetime surfer. Okay. Cool. Um and how old are you now? I am now 20, just turned 20. Okay. And and can you also tell us your weight that people always ask about that brighter weight? Yeah, I'm 6'0 six, six and, and 195 pounds. Okay. Uh, that's very similar to me. So early on, you started dinghy racing and then I think glider planes. <laughs> yeah. So dinghy, dinghy racing is so much fun and it's, it's such a deep sport. It's crazy how the tiniest little sail tuning or, or tiniest little thing can give you such an edge. That's in Waikai on Oahu. Uh, yeah. Nuking day in an open dick. Um, in the I remember marine. being terrified to go out that day. And my coaches, Kea, uh, Kea and Ian, were you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. And eventually pushed me enough to, to get in the water. That's probably, until then, my, my best session ever. So that one with the boat on the right, bossing, I actually have that right here. This is the first thing I ever 3D modeled. In, okay, let me uh, get, go back CAD. to that. Oh, cool. All right. And it's the first thing I ever glassed, and it's what set me on this track, really. Um, so that's uh, like a it, model of a, like a displacement dinghy sailboat? Is that what it's? More, of a, more of a planing hull, but I made three different variations of these. 
and took them to a river and, and tested the resistance with, it, with little scale. And that was my project grade, my big project for eighth grade. Um, so how did, actually, you, how did you test it in the river? I took it to a, a river with really consistent swing flow. And there might be a little hole. There's a little hole on the front here. Okay. I don't know if you can see, yeah, it. see it. Tied a rope through it, put a gram fishing scale, a really finely, fine uh, fishing scale, and just let it sit and took an average over a few minutes. Nice. And then did you test some variations of it or? Yeah, so I had three variations. I don't know where the other ones are right now, but I, I just changes in the outline or, or the rocker, slight changes in the, in the bottom, um, just to see what kind of effect they have. Wow, that's amazing. And how old were you when you were working on that? Ooh, eighth grade, so. Eighth grade? Not really sure. <laughs> Pretty young. It looks like you were a little bit more, a uh, little bit chubby before you got tall and lanky. I was, <laughs> I was foiling, <laughs> foiling's magic, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's like a lot of people look a lot skinnier after they started foiling. Yeah. Oh, look. So that that's before I was into kite foiling too. I before I I, I ever did it, but I made little model foils and took them in the river too. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Super fun. So we have a forklift, and when my friend Vatia came over from Hood River, Vatia Borsma, they were awesome. We hooked up a bar to the forklift over the trampoline, and, and we're, uh, we're practicing our, our moves. Okay. And these posts aren't super old because I, I actually started to kind of a, a college thing. I could document all these different things to eventually show to a college when I wanted to get them to school, and it, it just evolved from there. Yeah, so you did like glider planes, looks like. Yeah, glider planes, kiting, what a, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Broke my rudder. Cool carts. All right, and I met you a couple of years ago. You came over to Oahu and you did that pumping contest where it, the point was to catch 100 waves with your team. And I was sitting in the channel at Queens watching. You were in the heat before us. And you were just going round and round, pumping back out, catching another <laughs> wave, going back out and kind of yeah. so cool to watch you like so efficient. And then even sometimes you would like rest and put your hands on your knees and glide a little bit to rest your legs and stuff like that. That was really impressive. Do you have any pointers on pumping technique? Um, the, the biggest thing pumping is finding the right rhythm and speed for your foil and being able to learn to have enough control of your pump to be able to, to vary like your speed and tempo until you find that. And it, it took a while of tail wing tuning and front wing and, and board placement to get a nice rhythm and be able to ride super efficiently. Another cool thing pumping is if you want to go for a super long time, the spot and waves and conditions make a massive difference. So all of my longest waves have been on at spots with a good amount of power right off the peak. And a sh ideally two peaks next to each other and a pretty consistent wave. That's why big, bigger waves are good. Because what, what, what you can do is only stay on, pump out to a wave and only stay on it long enough to get your speed back up and then instantly kick out again and basically do figure eights between the two peaks. And the goal is to not pump between the two. So you, you just stay on it long enough to get your speed back up. 
So you like kick out with enough speed so you can just glide into the next wave without even pumping at all. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, I, I've had some like 45 minute rides and it was at that same, that same kind of setup where you, you drop down the face of maybe a head high wave and then just two pumps to the next peak and do the same thing the other way. And the only limiter was, was really how consistent the waves were. So what killed me there was, was a big break in the set. So I know you've tried a lot of different wings and foils and you designed them as well. So what, what's your favorite right now? Which wing do you use for like a combination of pumping and surfing? What's your favorite? I use a 1080 mid aspect mostly right now. And I vary the tailwing depending on the conditions. So if I'm surfing and doing some low speed pumping, I'll use a different tailwing. If I'm at, if I'm going like high speed downwind or, or winging, I'll use a tailing more suited to that but i actually have one of those wings right here okay the screen share so this is uh this is a version of that 1080 i i have one in, in carbon but this is a carbon insert and it's just a design up and i've been refining for a few months so this is like cnc really well. out of g10 yeah this is cnc out of g10 with with a, a 11 mil so this is a 11 millimeter thick carbon mm-hmm. um and it's it's insert, it's glassed in here or epoxied in here. And there's no, you can't feel any gap between the two materials. And this is all credit to Dennis Parton at, at Tectonics. He does just an insane job of, of uh, CNCing and, and finishing these wings. It's, it's yeah, super impressive. Beautiful. So that, and that's for the signature um, line? No, no, this is just my own stuff. It's your um, own design. I originally did it to fit a, a super modified meal type fuselage, but I have it here. <laughs> I got everything ready. So I've, I made this fuselage just, just to fit those front wings. Um, I don't know. It might be hard, hard to, to see behind yeah. your black shirt. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That looks really beefy. Huh? It's, it's beefy in the center, but, but really the center is, so I use signature, an old signature unifoil mask, and the, the center is just big enough for that connection, and the rest is pretty skinny. You tried to lower the drag, but still keep it stiff enough. Yeah, yeah this is a Moses fuselage for reference. Right. So it's, it's pretty similar in size to the Moses. So the, it's the width is the same, but the thickness is it's thicker, so that gives it a little bit more rigidity by the mat around the mass. Yeah, is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's just big enough to fit that mass connection. So you do foil designs right now. You're working with Signature and Neil Pride, right? You and you're kind of yeah. A so designer. I yeah. I've done some work with with Signature and Neil Pride, and I'm pretty happy with how it all turned out. I can I don't know how to explain it. The Neil Pride thing was funny. I I met Robert Stroy, who was at the time the Neil Pride foil guy, just at the beach. And we started talking design. Oh, we're looking, we're looking for someone to make a foil. And I heard about your designing stuff. And, and so somehow I, I ended up designing a, a foil set for them. And it, or I, I did, originally designed one wing. It's it called the Medium Slim. And there's some pretty cool videos of Keahi riding it. But it went really well. So after that, I designed a whole line. But it's kind of being thrown into the fire as far as designs because we didn't do any prototyping. So... I got one shot, like you've got to design something and it goes straight to a, a stainless production mold. 
And so that was pretty intimidating for the first time. Um, but I'm actually really happy with how it all came out. That's and awesome. I think it's available now. I've been seeing some videos of people writing it. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's super impressive for you at, at 20 years old to be um, like a professional designer, basically, already. And yeah, and, and I, that design was probably one and a half years ago. So, uh, so yeah. and you started using 3D modeling software back in eighth grade, you said, like with that kind of was your first yeah. class project that you worked on with the 3D modeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, can mm -hmm. you, like earlier you showed me on your computer, you had some... Um, yeah, design stuff. So maybe show us a little bit and talk a little bit about what kind of stuff you do on the design side. The super interesting, I find. Yeah, I can I can show a little bit of it. So this is I, this the stuff I, I can I'm showing is mostly really old stuff. So my modeling yeah, is definitely get, don't give away there, any trade secrets. Screen. So here's the the fuselage I just showed you. Um, there's two. We did two versions of it. The one on the left broke, and the one on the right is super solid, and they. It's, it's amazing how, how much like a tiny difference around here will make. So what, just oh, just a little bit. the front between the mass and the fuselage, it's a little bit more thick. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to see. Yeah, no, I can see it. Yeah, see how I little rounded there? In there. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference between super solid and, and just bending until it, it breaks. Wow. Um, but yeah, these I, are funny. I found on our, on our wings too, like having that little bit more, especially between the mass and the front wing, it's, it's the forces are amazing. Like the, so that's they really are. an important area. And the other thing is, is having your volume distribution along the length of fuselage as smooth as possible, because any breaks in that aluminum doesn't like, that would be a failure point. Hmm. Um, another big difference is the hole depth was different. So this one had too deep of holes and that took a lot of material out of the the top of this fuselage, where this one has slightly shallower holes that are still strong enough for the to bolt the wing on, but leave a lot more material in in the top of the fuselage where where you really need that strength. Interesting, an axis fuselage that mm -hmm. cracked right at the front of the the square mast opening, like at the end of the square mast opening, and. Yeah. I was wondering, I guess it makes it more intercompatible to have that square opening, but I, I was thinking, wouldn't it make more sense to have that mass opening in, in the shape of the mass, like the thinned out to back and front so that you have more material around the mass without having a square, yeah. square end on the mass? If you just put the mass directly into the fuselage, it would make it stronger between the mass and the fuselage is what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm not an expert on structure. Someone smarter than me should would know more but it's probably better not to have sharp corners on your mass insert yeah but i guess it just makes sense if you want to switch between a carbon mass and an aluminum mass or whatever or different size mass because yeah. if you had if you add the profile of the mass and you could only use that one mass with the fuselage i guess so that, that i think that's the main yeah. reason why they're doing that but, yeah yeah and it's a pretty good way to i think these are based off of whatever tuttle or pro box insert so it's a well-proven design so what about wings what have you learned uh, about wing design so yeah these are tails i did for signature these both were based off of uh, a tail that i hand shaped and cleaned up the profile and, and cleaned it up a lot but i was riding the, the stealth and the albatross a lot at the time and made g10 and, and wood core carbon layup tails that 
I really liked and worked awesome with those foils. And yeah, I based these off of it and they go really good on the, on, on the stealth, especially. Um, so they look, kind of made this they look one. very similar except for the tips, right? Yeah, they are very similar. This one has a little more span and tips. Mm. I made it basically for the 165 Albatross. And this one was pretty much made for the 175. And so I find the, the others... angles and everything, like the, the, the wing tips were needed because I don't know, the first the high aspect wings just like a little bit more yaw stability. Also because the mass, the different, there's a difference in mass placement between the two foils. Yeah, like for for people that don't know that much about foil tails, I, I always say like that, those tips are kind of almost like fins on a board. It gives you like directional stability and having a flatter yeah. tail, you, it just makes the tail more loose, like having basically smaller fins or, or you can slide out the tail almost or like you're saying, yaw, you can turn on the mast instead of doing that. Yeah, right. and the, the, the other thing I've, I really paid attention to when doing tips like this, because I've got a few tails like it, is I wanted to make the tips thin enough and small enough that at low speed, you can still pivot and stall the tips out or wa wash them out. And so at low speed, coming up the face, you can still pivot the turn, but going fast, they would lock in. Hmm. Um, so I made them thin and, and, and low cord and pretty vertical. Yeah, low drag probably, yeah. so good for pumping. Yeah. Nice. Okay, yeah. what about front wings? So front wings, these are a bunch of a bunch of front wings that I uh, that I worked on with Neil Pride. Some of these made it to production. Some of these didn't. For example, this is the XXL twenty three hundred. These are both seventeen hundreds, but with different aspect ratios and mm -hmm. profiles, and small, medium, large extra large and this is super interesting and, and this is where i learned most of my or a, a, a lot of my idea of, of how i should design foils and how to do center connections and uh, it's, it's helped me a lot uh, and these are these are some tales yeah i mean that's so super that, impressive that you're already doing all this stuff at your age and i can only imagine where you're going to go from there what are your plans in the future in terms of that kind of stuff do you have any professional aspirations to become an engineer or design like designer what is what are your plans for now i'm pretty happy uh, i get to delve super deep into design and i get to surf every day while i'm young and living in hawaii so right now i'm pretty happy but in the future, it would be nice to do something other than, than design for the surf industry. And it would be nice to go to school and and further explore this kind of path. It seems like, to me, it seems like you're doing fine teaching yourself. And for things like in the water, the foiling and winging, it's so much more like Rob Whittle was saying too. It's more about the feel and you can have the scientific mm -hmm. theories to explain it afterwards, but it's really without the trying it and feeling it out and, and trying to figure out what, how, what works and what doesn't work actually in the water, you don't really know what's going to work or not until you try it really. It's, otherwise it's just, yeah. So that's what I've been getting into recently is, is first I went super deep into like simulation and, and trying to predict how these wings work, but some of the results I got didn't match up with what I felt in the water. So. I've been slowly clawing my way back to finding, okay, this is what happens on the computer and this is what I feel in the water. And 
ideally, I want to be able to predict everything on the computer and, and run through designs. And so in the last month or so, I've been getting closer and closer to, to doing that. It's really hard. <laughs> and I definitely am not an expert on it by any means. Well, I mean, pretty impressive. I, I don't know if you're not an expert. I don't know who is. And then you also design boards, right? Like you, you said, you, yeah. you do some board designs and then you work with Mark Rappahorst. He, he make, builds them for you, basically. Yeah, huge thank you to Mark Rupp. He's amazing. And uh, his construction is, is unmatched so far. Um, but you know, I'll share my screen again. Yeah, show us. So these are some old downwind boards I, I prototyped. So this is one that actually came out. You can probably see on my Instagram page. It's a, it's a blue board, white stripes, big stamp, 6.0 by 20-something stand-up board. I think it's 25. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, this is the first design I was like, oh, super psyched on a, on a sunken deck. But there's some practical limitations to making this, like the thickness of the blank you need. And so ended up making this, tried some interesting stuff with the rocker, and it worked really well. And it led me to my, my, my more recent board with the pintail, because this, this board, there's two, I found there's two ways to get into waves downwind. You can either paddle and glide into them, or you can move the board a lot and pump into them. Right. And so this board did insane for gliding into waves. Right. Um, and I found it worked really well prone downwinding because you don't have the ability to pump up onto foil. But stand up, I had a hard time because of all this, this, this volume and width of the tail and also low rocker. It was hard to, to get it up on the foil. What's the bottom design on this one? Like the, the bottom shape is, is pretty flat. I tried some interesting stuff on the rocker. There's what is that convex center rocker. There's a concave here and the center rocker is different from the rail rocker. Yeah, the, the bottom's actually, this is actually the bottom surface of an airfoil. And you're saying that because the, the, because it's flat and straight on the bottom, it, it's good for gliding in, but not as good for pumping into pumping up onto the foil. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I, it could be fixed with more rocker in the tail, mm -hmm. but then at planing speeds, it really doesn't, that rocker tends to stick and the, the takeoff speeds we're getting to downwind are, are into the planing speed. So um, you, you can't have that. And it ended up with my pintail design, which still can be improved, but I'm, I have basically dead flat rocker out the tail. Uh, so it can release and plane at, at speed, but not a lot of surface area or, or volume in the tail. So it can still move and pump, pump on the foil. I see. So you're keeping the bottom flat, but just by having a narrow tail, it allows you to like hop on, hop up on the foil easier. Yeah, I think Dave's designs are probably a more refined version of this, but this the board I've been riding works really well. Awesome. And the other cool thing is because there's so little material in the nose and tail, it reduces your swing weight a lot, and it changes the center of gravity of the board. So on this 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 pintail board, I pretty much stand in the in the dead in the center, and so there's no nose in front of you for that swing weight so it rides really like a 5.4 so next board is probably going to be a 6.4 instead of a 6.0 and 22 wide or something so that's for downwind foiling what about wing foil board design like what's what wh how does it differ from stand up and foil board design what kind of boards do you design or do you so, winging yeah wing, wing foil is funny uh because pretty you could pretty much get anything up on foil but it really matters in light wind. Uh, 
Right. What I found is you want not my pintail board and you want, or, or you don't want any of my stand-up boards because they're hard to, for some reason, they're hard to steer. It's something with the it's outline and the, and the low rocker makes them like when you, in the tra- uh, planing transition zone or speed, they'll do opposite steering like a boat or like a race stand-up board. Oh yeah. Rail steering. Okay. Yeah. And it's probably a low nose rocker or something, but yeah, definitely avoid that. And my, my pintail board has so much area in the nose versus the tail, but the nose pushes down going upwind and you need to compensate for that with extra tail tailing angle. And that, that adds a lot of drag. You're saying when you're up on the foil, having that fat nose has like more drag in the wind, basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big time. If you designed a, have you designed a board that's just for wing foiling or what would yeah. the design specs would be on a wing foil? Board? Um, pretty much just take your prone board and scale it up like direct, like you can scale all dimensions up to five foot and it's, you have a perfect wing board. <laughs> Yeah. So if, um, if you just had one wing board for you that you can use in light wind and all wind conditions, like what size and volume do you think would be good that you would use right now, I guess? 5022 to 24 wide and 70 to 75 liters. Sorry, from the bottom. Again, 50 by 50224, probably 75 liters. Oh, wow. Um, that's pretty similar to what I, I have. Four, six, the, the bottom liters. Yeah. Sorry, as far as bottom shape, super simple. No concaves, no, nothing special, no steps, no concaves, just as simple as possible. Yeah. Uh, because so, that, I found that gets you up really fast. I, like, and Dave Kalama talked about it too, but there's that theory that the con, the convex shape just releases from the water easier. Like the board, when it comes off, the water just mm-hmm. slides off of it versus concaves and hard edges sometimes the water can stick to it or like the surface tension of the water gets stuck on the, on those hard edges. You yeah. Know? The other thing with the wing board is sometimes like if, when you touch down, a lot of the times you're touching down at a weird angle to chop and concaves and sharp edges in the front, instead of just going through it, will create a, a lift in some direction and shoot you off one way or another. So yeah, simple bottoms like convex or, or, or light single concave works. I, I totally agree with that, but obviously there's two two schools of thought here. Like a lot of the prone boards have a lot of a lot of concaves and sharp edges and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess there there's got to be some advantage to that. And I guess it has more lift at lower speeds, creates more lift. But yeah, like I said, there's definitely downsides to it. So what's your thoughts yeah? On that? As far as my experience riding them, I haven't found any advantages, but they look really cool. <laughs> and they do make a lot of lift at low speed. Yeah. Um, so does it help a little bit with the takeoff, or is it, I guess on balance, do you think don't think it's worth it to have all those concaves and hard edges? Yeah, personally, I don't think it's worth it. I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who does it because done right, they can work really well. Um, okay. Yeah. Something that that's really helped me when I was setting up the board was when you said like you, you check your basically the thickest part of the foil. If you have your board mm-hmm. upside down, if you lift up the board by the foil, the thickest part of the front wing profile, mm-hmm. then it should the board should be pretty much flat and balanced yeah. out, right? So I thought that was really helpful. And then and it's interesting too, because sometimes different wings like i have an axis foil and i changed from the 760 to the 810 and 
the mm -hmm. for some reason like the distance of that profile is so much different that i have to go from the 710 is like at the front of my box and on the eight yeah uh, the 760 sorry and then on the 810 it's all the way in the back so it's like a bit pretty big difference where the foil is located in terms of keeping my feet in the same position the same foot strap positions yeah the biggest part of that is is keeping your it, it keeps your front wing in the same position so they probably have different distances between the front wing and the mast and so the mast will move but the, but your front wing stays in the same spot and, and then i was thinking about why it is that it works well like that and then i guess when you're when you're pumping and unweighing the board by itself is balanced on on the foil so it's not like it wants to like nosedive or stall or whatever even if you completely yeah. unweigh it the board will be sitting there and gliding but my my kind of school thought around it is Ideally, you want the board to fly pretty neutral as far as foot pressure, and mm -hmm. you want that foot pressure to be consistent across all, all speeds. You want it to be consistent across if you're in a turn or, or if you're going straight or if you're pumping. So what doing that does, is it puts the center of gravity of the board over the, the center of lift of the wing. And that means when you put it in a turn and put some extra G-force, on it or yeah mainly if you put it in a turn with that extra g-force it won't change the balance if it's nose heavy and you put in a turn that center of gravity push push down and it'll pull your nose into the water um, and if it's too far back it'll do the opposite and pull you out of the water and so that's a baseline and depending on the, I, I always take a tool with me in the water and, and change it a little bit depending on how the foil tunes but yeah um, that's yeah, interesting. Difference. Something that I noticed for myself, like when I used to just stand up paddle surf or prone surf, I used to have my back foot a little bit more forward. But then when I started wing foiling, my back leg always got so tired from always putting more pressure on my back yeah. foot. And so what I started doing was putting my back foot further and further back. So basically now I have my feet so the the center of lift of that foil underneath me is right between my feet and i've got just equal yep. pressure on both feet and that's something i learned from wing foiling and now i also do it when i'm stand-up foiling i always have that same foot position just because it's way more comfortable and efficient is that kind of how you balance out too or yeah and if if you watch a lot of my clips or uh, watch i'm usually sometimes my, my back foot's way in front of the mast and you think oh that's weird most people have their back foot behind the mast but my front foot's really far back too. So my, I try and keep my center of gravity always right over the front wing. I don't know if you can see it. I just got some downwind clips. Where's a good video clip of that? That are pretty. Let's play, play one of these. So is, is the harbor one of your favorite spots on Maui or? The harbor's a pretty good spot. The foiling ruined me. So Pier 1 is, is my favorite spot now. Uh, <laughs> just directly outside the harbor but there's also a spot on the west side that's really fun uh -huh. um, it's right by lani apoco uh, right off to the, the line of side of lani apoco and that's that's one of my favorite waves ever it's, it's crazy it's, that's <laughs> obviously an older footage and the board looks so huge compared to what you're riding now yeah, yeah. <laughs> i really like that board though yeah sometimes I'm actually going to bigger boards now. That's a 4.0 that's on the screen. Um, this one? That's a 4.0 by 20. Now I'm riding a 4.2 by 19. And uh -huh. my next board is a 4.6, 18.5. And, and just to be able to catch the wave easier and paddle back out easier, what's the idea behind going a little bit longer again? Part of it is catching 
interesting bigger waves. I want I I live on the you know North Shore of Maui and and most of these spots in the winter are a bit bigger than and I want to paddle into on my on my four two. And the other thing is hitting the hitting the white water or getting critical in in critical sections of the wave. My four two has a nice rocker curve, but it doesn't have enough rocker. So I basically on my four six I just extended that rocker curve so that most of the board's the same but I have a little bit extra in the nose for recovery mostly. And yeah, so when you put it in, in, a, in a head high bit of foam or the lip, it doesn't, doesn't really care. Like you can recover way easier. So actually um, that's another question I had for you on the rocker. Like people have been playing around with the shims underneath the mass plate and stuff like that. And it's basically, you can put a little bit of rocker in the board and get a little bit of that is just what's your what is your feeling and i guess it depends on the foil of course too and do you like to have the mast or the plate completely parallel to the bottom of the board or do you like to have it like a slight rocker to it and then the tail the where the mast i do most of i do most of it in the rock with the rocker in my board but i know people are put are going like really almost negative with their shims so mm -hmm. that's interesting and i think it works really well on smaller waves where your front wing's running a higher angle of attack. Mm -hmm. On big, I, I found on small waves, I like boards with lower, with, with almost a parallel angle between the foil and the, the deck or the, the box and the deck. And on bigger waves, I like a lot more. Notice, I like my front foot up a bit. Yeah. Like to me, especially when you're going faster, if I like that, having that negative angle helps with lift. And it's a little scary. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. When you're going I, fast I, and speed. especially like on it, like if you're towing in or going fast and you have that, the nose is pointed down a little bit. As soon as you touch down, it's just scary. slightly you're done. It's like your board just sucks down when your nose down. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it depends on the wave. And I, I just have a, my boards have a really light tail rock. Yeah. Um, and I can always shim the front wing too. The, mm. My setup lets me shim the front wing to different angles so that's useful yeah so i was going to ask about that too so do you i guess the wing designs you have are mostly like where the the front wing screws flat onto the fuselage with two or three screws and then so it's basically just the screws holding the holding it down against that flat area do you ever have yeah. issues with it like loosening up or like I mean, how do you keep those screws completely tight and, and keep it from having any play? I use about, I, I, they're big M8 Torx, Torx head, head screws. Uh, yeah. And I use probably six, a, a six inch lever and just crank them down. <laughs> like way, way too tight. But the reason I use that connection is, is a limitation of, of how I build the wing. I make the wings out of a, out of a, pan, a solid panel of G10 or carbon. And on a three axis CNC machine. So there's not a good way to get enough thickness in the connection area or go in from the side to make a male-female connection. So the, the, the on top kind of works really well. Um, for example, I just made this wing to fit Axis K-Series fuselage. This is for the Axis K-Series. And that's a similar kind of fuselage where it just, it just bolts right on top. And the reason I couldn't do like the Black Series or their old S fuselage it's just because it, it's too thick for my panel. The, wing, the, the wings are too thick and the connection's too thick. Uh, 
So this is the only thing that would let me get thin enough. Yeah. So you're really going <laughs> super. You're going super thin with your foil foil designs, huh? Oh yeah, crazy thin. Just and for I, for higher speeds, right? And that's basically less drag. Is that the idea behind it, or? Yeah, you do you do sacrifice a little at at super low speed, but I if you use the right foil section, you don't sacrifice stall speed that much. So do you I've use like it. on NASA foil sections, or how or do you just modify them, or what? I, do you come up with your foil sections. I design my own. Yeah. So I design all my own foil sections using just trial and error. What works for you? And no, using Drela's inverse design. So I I specify specify the the surface velocity of the fluid over the over over the top and bottom of the wing, basically, and that'll give you your shape. Wow. So what's the maximum velocity you can fly at with your wings? Uh, it depends. Like that, eight hundred probably top. It has a low top. Use the side size, it probably tops out at 30 knots just because it's a fairly blunt foil section. But the good thing is with with that one, it's it's super stable until that speed. So I actually I've never hit the top speed on it. I have one right here. This is uh, my 600. So this one's insanely fast, and I have no clue how, how fast it can go. Yeah, it's basically a kite wing. Um, Super, super thin. So um, what's the idea behind having that pointy tip at, on the front? It looks like a, like an airplane. The fuselage being too long for the quarter of the wing. Oh, okay. I need to get it in, I need to set it in the right spot. And otherwise it, I would end up with kind of an ugly front connection. Yeah. So um, the tip, it's not like, it's just to make up for the length of the fuselage. It's yeah. not a design feature really. Yeah. If you're going really fast, like the America's Cup boats use it. It's called a, what is it called? a cork bottle fairing where it, it raises, keeps the pressure more even around that connection and re it, it, it reduces cavitation around that in, around the interface of, of multiple wings. But I'm not going fast enough and I'm not designing it to do that. Hedrals, do you put the hedral into your wing a little bit or do you just keep I'm, it? I'm in pretty there? limited. This one has, has some freedom, very slight digital in the center. Oh yeah. Um, I've got some freedom with wing lift, and the wing lifts on these are, are more for see, uh, a more like a, a bit of a locked-in feeling because if you go dead flat, it can it gets some washy sometimes. Uh -huh. So you can play with changing your foil section at the tip. You can play with changing your like wing lifts or anhedral at the tip, or you can do some fun stuff with twist to get a bit more of a locked-in feel. Out of and a flat wing. The slightly turned up wing tips, is that so you can breach the foil easier or uh, in turn? That's is that true. Yeah, it makes a really big difference in, in breaching turns. It's way gentler. And uh, the, the upward wing tip lets you breach, breach the tip at a lower angle. So on a flat wing, in a turn, you can breach it. it. It doesn't matter if you have a wing lid or not. But if you're a little straighter up, so like this, any wing will breach. But like this, you want a little bit of a winglet. If, if you're if you're super worried about breaching, just so the tip comes out first and the, and disrupts the water surface less. I've basically. kind of I've found the angle between the wingtip and the water surface is super important. So the more perpendicular they are, the gentler of a wingtip breach you'll have in general. Um, foil section makes a huge difference. For example, like the go foil foil section is insane for breaching. Like you, you never feel it. Yeah, the the velocity across the top surface is really consistent. There's no pressure spikes. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's pretty impressive. <laughs> When you yeah, I mean, so on it turns out my buddy Derek Hama does on the uh, yeah on the GO and the um, those go foil wings is just amazing. Like how he it's can ridiculous. Have, have to foil out and pretty sick. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, well, I've been um, having a lot of fun on this. Yeah, it's super interesting. I could just talk about uh, design this whole for a couple of hours, but I guess we should probably move on to some other things as well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think everyone that's listening is going to be super interested in this as well. But let's talk a little bit about uh, wing design in terms of wing foiling wings. It's This is yeah. supposed to be a wing foiling show more than anything. But what's your experience? What kind of wings have you tried? And what do you like the best? And so on. So I I work with, with a wing, a, a pretty talented wing designer. And so I get to try a lot of prototypes from, for a lot of different brands and, and a lot of different materials and styles and handles and all kinds of stuff. And it seems like Try to show some they're going to more, more tension in the canopy, a flatter shape, uh, a stiffer shape. And you can get a big increase in, in, in speed and efficiency from that. So low, I really like having, you like having a flatter wing shape, a less profile basically. Uh, yeah, definitely flatter profiles are, are nice. Um, mm -hmm. Just because the, the apparent wind angle, it can handle it, makes it nice for wind or going upwind at really high or tight angle. It doesn't um, flutter as much when you're going at a tight angle. Yeah. Another thing is, is stability. I'm not an expert on wing design, mm -hmm. but having a, sta a stable wing that's, that, that flies neutral when depowered is, is, is really important and makes, makes gusts a lot easier so i've been liking the wing rides and the ensis i tried some ppc stuff that's insane and also the brm i i, I really love the brm wing i think so my, those my are the ones you've you've tested and helped with the design and so on the brm yeah so talk about the brm what's what makes that one special so my dad's had a brm wing for a long time now and the way they eat gusts is super impressive. That, that's what kind of surprised me the most when I wrote it. In gusty conditions, it just smooths out everything. Your, your power is really consistent and they, they can handle high speeds well. Um, the low wingspan is nice for surfing too. So do, I, do I, I haven't tried the DRM wings. What, what is it about it that you think makes it work like that? Or what, what are the design pretty, features pretty that you think wing. work well on the DRM wings? They're pretty low aspect. That probably helped. I really don't know. I, the handles are super solid, pretty low flex, and they don't have any windows. So it's, it's a really consistent reaction or material across the canopy. Personally, too, like after trying wings without windows, I like it. I, I like not having a window, but what's your take on that? Have windows versus no windows. That's always one of those big arguments. If you're riding around a lot of people, especially a lot of beginners, use a windows, a windows really nice. Being able to, to easily check your tack like before you do a tack or drive is great. I tend to ride like at Hokipo where there's not a ton of people and there's a clear rotation. So I prefer wings without windows. Yeah, it's also better for packing them up and you don't have to worry about creasing it and so on and uh, and lighter weight. And I don't know, there's a lot of advantages to not having a window, but yeah, definitely the safety aspect. Although I find that it's pretty easy to just look under your wing, right? You just lift it up a little bit. And it is. The best windows I've tried are on the new Cabrina wing. The, the windows are, are massive. Uh-huh. And you can, they're, they're really the first one or one of the first ones like you can, you can see everything through. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> One thing I really like about the, these wings is the handles. It's a soft handle, but you have probably a good 10, 12 inches to, to move your hand around. Um, and that's really nice for adjusting to different conditions and, and different kinds of riding. I like a boom. Yeah, having the longer handles, it does help with tacking and stuff like that because you can put one oh, yeah. hand right next to the other one and stuff. But do you find that sometimes the longer handles have a little bit more give so there's less control with your wrists? Do you find that at all? Or? Yeah, I, I do. And some of the newer styles of those handles that I've tried are, are stiffer and have a lot less of that. You, you, have, you definitely have more control. The one thing I really like about booms is in the, in the last week, I started riding with a harness and hmm. having a boom is really nice if you're, if you're riding with a, with a harness and harness line. I've never tried harness before, but I've, like Alan could just talked about it and I'm interested in trying it. I definitely would do want to try it out. Yeah, it's nice because I, I, I started doing it because I've been doing upwinders from Kanaha to Kuau on Maui. And I don't know how many miles that is, probably five miles upwind. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, it just destroys your arms and your hands. So it's nice to have something to take the load off. So was this from your knee, when you had your knee surgery? Oh, when did I have my knee surgery? Yeah. Or just so like that's, right. That's right after I, I injured it. I've done that a few times. I originally did it surfing, just went out for a, for a top turn and busted my knee. I was out for a few weeks. Doctor said after probably three weeks, he's like, oh, you're good. You should be good to go back in the water. And third wave did it again. So I was out for a while after that. Did a ton of PT. Uh, came back, was good for a few months. I think I did it again, skimboarding. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the what you said. What was the injury originally? The, the injury originally was from surfing. I went for a top turn and dislocated my facella or, or kneecap. So my kneecap went from the center all the way to the, basically to the, the outside side of my knee. Like from overextending it backwards or like what happened? Like how did it happen? <sighs> Not really sure. After all the x-rays and stuff, it seems like just, it's just like a genetic thing. Like my kneecap far off, far off to the side, especially on my back knee, which got stressed a lot from surfing that that kind of tuck knee position you do surfing is not good for your knee so it's basically your kneecap slips off the front of the knee is that what happened like sideways it, it slips so if this is the top of your knee and you're looking from the front or from yeah. the bottom of your leg it's it slipped off to the side Ooh. to the inside um, or the outside of your knee to the outside and there's just a little a little whatever ligament holding that in uh -huh. um, as well as your quad but uh, so the yeah, ligament basically broke when that happened or? The ligaments probably stretched the first few times. Uh -huh. And then the last few, it probably broke. Um, I know on the last one, it, it was broken. So what, and then, so the surgery, they had to replace that ligament or what happened? So the, yeah, there's, it's, the surgery is called an MPFL reconstruction and or replacement. And there's two ways to do it where the one way they'll take some of your hamstring and replace that ligament with your hamstring. And the other one is where they take a cadaver from an Achilles or a hamstring and do the same thing. And luckily I got the cadaver and the cadaver is really strong. It's like, it's like a, <laughs> the surgeon put it in a good way. It's like upgrading from a comp leash to a jaws leash. So my old ligament, like on my left knee is, is the comp leash. And the, the other one is the jaws leash. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's pretty cool. And it's, it's an amazing surgery. You can actually, it's, it's full weight bearing 45 minutes after. Wow. Pretty but still, impressive. you have to recover for a while and train. Yeah. It took, it took a, probably a week to get walking again um, or walking comfortably. And would you say you're back to hundred percent now? Like you can do everything you want? Or? I'd say, I'm, yeah, I'm at least 95% now. Nice. But your quad does a lot of work in keeping, keeping your kneecap stable. And as long as you, you pay close attention to, to how tired or exhausted your quad is. And, and I've been doing like yoga and, and using the foam roller as a way of managing, uh, of managing it, managing my leg and, and keeping everything stretched out and, and, and uh, it's a good way, good way to do recovery. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's and definitely, Sorry, go ahead. That experience and, and, and doing that a few times definitely taught me a lot about paying attention to my body and, and, and knowing when to stop. Uh, I think that's a valuable lesson to learn. Early. And knowing how to recover. Because <laughs> when, when yeah. you're my age, like I'm 53 and it takes a lot longer to recover from stuff like that. So it's good that yeah. you're figuring it out at your age. <laughs> yeah, there have been a few sketchy moments, but it, the last probably few months have been, have been awesome. Nice. So in terms of other, do you do other like sports cross training hobbies other than foiling and water sports and so on? Not too much. I tried to keep a good variety of foiling. I've been doing yoga recently, Ashtanga yoga. Um, and that, that's actually been super fun. And, and, but yeah, occasionally I'll go uh, mountain biking. That's, that's a good way to cross train. Okay. Do you have a routine that you follow every morning or like what's a typical day in your life starting when you get up out of bed? Not, I don't have a, I don't have a, a super, super uh, strict routine, but generally I, I wake up and uh, I, I do a little bit of stretching in the morning. I do maybe a little bit of rolling depending on, you know, and, and the amount depends on how I feel. And then whatever, eat, eat a, try and eat a good breakfast and, and uh, do some work, shift, shift tails, or or uh, do some designing, enter DMs, uh, and then I, I usually go for an afternoon uh, wing or, or surf session. Nice. So the uh, busy time for getting some... the mornings generally my busy time, and also late at night I do a lot of computer work. So most of my designing stuff is, is after dinner. Hmm. So when you work on the computer and you're really into something. And like, how long will you stay up and work on your computer? Are you like an all night hacker? It, it, it depends. I, I try and if I'm really into it, I try and go to bed before tw at, at 12. I'm like, okay, okay I, gotta, I gotta stop now. But sometimes I'll, I'll get really into it, especially if I have a big project I'm working on or, or make a breakthrough. And I'll go 10 to 14 hours just locked in yeah. on the wow. computer. So you're more like a, you get creative at night in, in the nighttime, huh? It's like in yeah, for example, a foil I just designed, I, I spent probably 10 hours a day straight just for, for a week, just like on it, super wow. focused, remembering to, to do stuff. In the future, like what, where do you see wing foiling or foiling going? And do you have any new ideas or new projects that you're working on? Anything you can share, stuff that's coming in the future or things you you can imagine or see for the future yeah so my my favorite part of wing foiling is probably the accessibility of it and 
that, you can get so many people, you know, in the water, learning to sail, going fast, having a ton of fun. And you can do it in so many places. I, I've like, I'm at the Harbor a lot and that's a Mecca on Maui for learning to, to wing foil. Mm-hmm. And there's, it, it's cool to see entire families that, that sometimes don't even surf and, and have never done a wind sport getting up and, and you can watch them improve. And in two weeks they're, they're up and, and going upwind and having a blast. It's, it's definitely this, pretty cool. This yeah. video is at the Harbor, right? Yeah. This, this is pretty cool where you're handing from the, doing a takeoff from the boat ramp and then grabbing the wing on your way out. Talk a little bit about yeah. how you do that. That was funny. I, I showed up one day with my wing all psyched to go. I think I just got that, that sail and it was way too light to go out. But luckily I ran into Scott Mackey and Jason Hall. And I was like, hey, Scott, can you stand at the end of the, the pier and hold my wing? I did a beach start and managed to somehow make it. And actually, that, that was a super fun session. Yeah, this looks like you just had to get out to the wind line, pump out to the wind line, and then, then that was windy enough out there, huh? Yeah, it was probably like sub-15 that day. And back on the, the Generation 1 wing, that was pretty light wind. Yeah, that's cool. Let's see. Oh, this one, this is a yeah, pretty cool. People talk about that one a lot. That was a fun session out on a board of Sean Ordonez's. Uh, so it's shapes. It looks like your he, front he foot is old, almost on the nose of the board, Em. Yeah, he had an old belly board that he put some foil tracks in. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget how long it was. I think it was a two-foot board. So the front of the, my front foot was basically off the edge, and my back foot was, was pretty much the same. And it was just a, a good, consistent day at a, at a thousand peaks. And la- later that day, I had my longest drive ever. It must be pretty hard to take off on that board, though, right? Yeah, the only I it's it, it you can't catch a wave on it pretty much. So I be, you have to beach start. Oh, that's what you did. That when was the, you beach started and went up. That was the only way I could get it up on foil. Mm. Is, is the beach start? But this video is a little deceiving. Like people are like, "Oh my god, how do you pump that far for that long?" That's, on the inside, there's a rock wall and there's backwash coming off the wall. And so most of the way out, or pretty much all the way out back to the peak, you can get a, a decent backwash. So the whole time, like pumping, I was less focused on my pumping efficiency and more focused on, all right, how do I stay in the power of this tiny little backwash wave? Cool. So you basically time your kick out with trying to find with, the yeah. bump that's going back out again to take you back out. Yeah. And one, one thing that saves a lot of energy pumping back out into a wave is trying to stop pumping super early and glide into the wave. I catch myself a lot pumping all the way up until I'm going up the face and then turning when really I should be stopping 30 feet, 15, 30 feet before and just gliding into it. Because then once you turn, you create more lift. And then once you're on the face and you don't have yeah. create, yeah. Power, get the power. You can, the you can save a good three or four pumps. Interesting. But then I find like when I first started connecting waves, uh, if I stopped pumping too early or turned too early on the wave, then I would yeah. basically drop off before I got on the wave. So it's kind of, you do want to turn pretty high on. So the other thing with pumping is staying as high as possible on your mast, mm-hmm. because by staying as high as possible, you store, you store your, your gravitational energy and you lengthen the possible glide slope. 
and your wing's also more efficient close to the surface. But if you come into doing that really high on your mass, you can use that all that gravitational energy you've stored to glide into the wave. And then once you're on the wave, you have enough power to, to bring it back up again. Yeah, that makes sense. So and I guess that's the reason why you do those kind of short, quick pumps. So you don't mm -hmm. like, you basically keep the mass pretty high out of the water and, and the foil close to the surface. Yeah, part of the short, quick pumps is, is they work really well from a body mechanics standpoint, uh -huh. where by changing how short and quick or long, like how short or long your pumps are, you can stress your body in different ways. So a really long pump will be easier on your muscles, but your heart and your lungs will work harder. Mm. Um, and the, sh the short pumps are harder on your muscles, but don't stress your, your heart or lungs as, as much. So explain, why do you think the foil creates more, it seems like the foil creates more lift when it's close to the water surface. Is it, or is it, is the reason why it's more efficient because there's less mass in the water and has less drag, or is it because uh, it just that creates more lift when it's close to the surface? What's the theory behind that, that? I don't have a solid answer on it, but I have a few theories. So one, definitely less mass in the water. That makes a big difference. Two, you are moving, the, the, the foil is moving less water around itself, right? So the, the low pressure side of the foil makes a lot of the lift. And it pulls a lot of water in that water column above it down to make that lift. And by being closer to the surface, there's less water available to pull. And so the foil is actually doing less work and making less drag. I don't think you're making any more lift, but you're definitely making less drag. Okay. Um, the other part of it is by, by bringing your foil close to the surface, this is, this is the part I'm really not sure about, is <clears throat> you could be end plating the tip vortex especially on really flat foils where there, there might be some kind of interaction with, with the wingtip vortex and the surface of the water that reduces it. I see. So you, basically because you're closer to the surface, there's less room for it to create turbulence basically on the tips. Yeah. I'm not sure about that because, because if you're really close to the surface, it actually creates a wave and that could use more energy than, so I'm, I'm not sure about it. Yeah. But definitely moving less water around and having less water uh, or less mass in the water makes a difference. Interesting. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out why that works. I've also noticed that there's definitely a ground effect. If you're pumping over shallow reef and the reef's right mm -hmm. underneath you, you can kind there's of push the ground the effect, yeah. Harder, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Some, something I do a lot winging, is, especially if there's a sandy beach, is go really fast towards shore and put the foil in six inches of water and try and glide down the beach as far as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to stay super high and, and, and almost touch your foil to the bottom and, and see how far you can glide in, in ground effect. Only works on really flat wings though. Yeah. Um, generally been, ground not, I don't do it in six inches of water, but we have a spot where you have to go over the shallow reef to go it come in and then definitely yeah you feel like basically even at lower speeds you, you just get more lift off the foil when you're right right over the reef you know yeah i think the general rule on planes is that if you're within half your wingspan from the ground as a real effect or a noticeable effect within half your wingspan so how long is this video this is like eight minutes seven and a half minutes and you're still flying it's amazing yeah
I guess that was the dog that can't believe his eyes, huh? GP is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't seen this video, you got to listen to the content, uh, comments. His commentary is funny. awesome. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, I almost want him to just hire him to film and, and commentate on it because it's great. <laughs> it's hard to see like this, but... Yeah. So, yeah, so I actually started passing the wing behind my back when I'm going upwind on the wave. Mm -hmm. But I guess you're going downwind and then you're passing it in front of you on a bottom turn. So yeah, talk a little bit about that, the technique. It's mostly, uh, I mostly do it to, to control my upper body rotation. So by, by passing it to my front hand on the bottom turn, it lets my shoulders open up towards the face of the wave. And by switching it to my back hand on the top turn, I can actually twist my body around and uh, point my front arm more far, farther backwards. And more recently, I've been, I've been using the wing's power and leverage through turns. Yeah. And the, my limitation is still, when I do that, I'm still working on it. But I like using the, the power of the wing on the top turn. But then your wing is still in your front hand. So on the way down, you have to switch it and open your hands up again. And it's hard to get your speed you need a bunch of speed to get out in front of the wave for your, for your next bottom turn. So it's, it's in progress. I'm going to get some video of that soon. Let's talk a little bit about wing size. Um, do you, what wing size do you like to use? Do you like to use a bigger wing uh, for jumping or do you like to use a smaller wing for handling or what's. I use, I have a two five. I love when it's nuking and I, I have a bunch of sizes, but pretty much. 99% of the time I use my, my two five or my three five and the two five is great, but, but hard to get up. So you, you need a seriously when with the three five, uh, I can get up prone in probably 18 knots and I can get up, stand up in six knots. Yeah. I guess probably you're always trying to, my theory is always try to use the smallest wing I can and get up yep. on basically, because once you're up, you don't really need much of much wing size. Recently I found, I don't need anything bigger than a three five really. A three five will get me up in in the lowest wind my foil can fly in. So, so. Which is about may, how many knots would you say? Six. Six knots with yeah. a three five wing. Mm -hmm. It's funny because there was a bunch and about like, a thousand square centimeter foil. Yeah, Rob Whittle was saying um, that he likes to use like either a three more three meter or four meter, and that mm -hmm. four meters the biggest he uses now, and and he can get up in ten to twelve knots. And there was a bunch of people that were commenting that's impossible and blah, blah, blah. But no I, mean, I have to agree that you can get up with a small wing and pretty light winds. Sometimes you might have to wait for a little gust or, and just really work at it. But once you're up, then you don't really don't need that much wing. It's really all dependent on your board. If you have a good board, you can get up with a much, much smaller wing and way less wind. Um, so what kind of board is it you would use to get up? I use my downwind stand-up board. But didn't um, you say you need to have the planing speed to get that thing going? Yep. Yeah. So you get it up to planing speed with a small wing. Yeah. On my, on my thousand centimeter wing, the, the takeoff speed is like eight, eight, nine miles an hour. Hmm. Um, but if I check in light wind, I use a different tailwing that, that probably lowers that about a mile an hour. So a bigger tailwing or more angle on the tailwing or both? A different foil section. Different foot. Okay. So a little bit thicker. But same size. 
Oh, okay. It's just a, a different, yeah, different flow section um, and a little more cord. Interesting. So like, like the front wing compared to the tail wing, like in terms of the effect it has on the foiling experience, like how would you compare it? Is it like 80, 20 or 70, 30, or is it hard, just hard to quantify it like that? hard to quantify 70 30 or, or 60 40 is probably a good number actually no, no 70 hmm so basically what i'm saying is that with the same front wing about how much can you change it by changing the tail wing it depends how well tuned the rest of your setup is but i'd probably give 50 percent or 60 percent to to your board box placement and your tail wing tuning interesting wow yeah. Oh, wow. If, so if those are good, huge. It, it really makes a difference. Like, it doesn't matter what front wing you're on, it'll ride good if you're tailing us too and, and it's in the right spot on the board. And if it's off, then you're going to, no matter what front wing you're on, you're going to have a really hard time riding. Okay. I think we're going super long, but I, I, it's super interesting to me. So I'm sure other people will find it interesting as well. So I'm just going to keep going. So, what was I going to say? Sorry. <laughs> oh, Beginners. So if you have a friend that wants to learn how to wing foil or you're taking mm -hmm. out someone, what are the, what are your tips and what are some common mistakes people make and so on? So when I, every time I teach people, first thing I do is put them on a reasonably sized foil, but put it all the way back in the box. And for their first few waves or for half, half of the first session or until they're comfortable, have them take off and keep the board on the water. Just have them keep the board on the water, ride the wave like that. Don't even think about coming up. That'll get them, one, their, their safety position and safe, like that, that's their safety, uh, safety move. They know how to keep it on the water. And the other thing that'll do is get them used to riding with a mast, big mast and foil under their board. So once, once they're comfortable riding the board, touch down on the water for the wave, then it's time to move the foil forward a little bit and slowly start bringing it up on foil. It's nice to have a, a consistent way of the harbor that, that, that is smooth water and, and uh, decent power for a long time. And at least teach them a little bit beforehand on, and so they understand a little bit about how the foil works um, because that's another thing too. Handling on, on the beach before you let them go in the water. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah, wing handling on the beach is huge. A, a, a big problem I see is people try and control the wing too much. Really what you want is your front arm is your anchor and your back arm does most of the control and just the weight of your back arm will keep the wing flying. So I, I kind of teach people the way I learned kiting, which is sit on the beach and learn how to put and hold the wing in different positions, one o'clock, uh, three o'clock, two o'clock, one o'clock, 12 o'clock in the wind window and, and vary the power and just get comfortable and familiar with it before getting in the water. Because for a lot of people winging, they're getting on the foil board for the first time too. And it's a totally unfamiliar space where you're not comfortable with, with any part of it. And having some baseline understanding and experience and building a tiny bit of muscle memory will make 
a big improvement in their learning. It is said that he puts people on a, on an old windsurf board with a dagger board yeah. in the middle, and then he just makes, and once they can go back and forth and stay up when, then they're ready to go try the foil. That's how he does it. Totally. And that's, I've also heard people say that they put people on the board and just take the foil, the wings off the foil. So it's just the mast. So mm -hmm. they can't busy, they can't foil, but the mass has enough. It's like almost like a dagger board because it keeps you yeah. from drifting too much. So I th thought that yeah, was a good idea. I've never tried it, but that's a good idea. Those are all good ideas. Taking the wings off the mass can make it a lot less stable though. So yeah. it would be interesting to, to, to make something that would bring that stability back. Almost like a keel or just use a, an old windsurf board. Maybe, what if you took off the tail wing, but then would make it just... In, oh, take off just the front wing could work. Take off the front wing and leave the tail Close wing. the front wing. Yeah. That could, that could work. Or maybe use a really small wing that doesn't is not going to lift. Because I think even if you tell people don't lift off the water, once they start going fast, yeah. it's kind of hard to control or keep it from flying up. Yeah. That's the other thing I do uh, teaching surf foiling is I never put them on a really big front wing the first time right i put them on like a, a front wing i would surf on so that if they do lift it's not like they can bring it back down and it's 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 they can control it they can handle it they can handle it but i think for learning to wing foil there's definitely an advantage of using a bigger wing because you end up yeah. having it's more stable and you can fly slower mm -hmm. at lower speeds and you can take your time through transitions and stuff so yeah once you're comfortable going in and out yeah, when big, if you're a beginner wing. buying a new foil, don't get a big foil that lifts at low speeds. Basically, that's is that what you would advise as well? For beginners, yeah, just get something easy to ride. Yeah. In my advice, and a good board, a good board is uh, makes yeah, a floaty, stable board, right? I think the new Fanatic boards look nice. They have a real simple bottom. The customs are always nice, but the, the Amos shapes boards are are great. Uh, a lot of stuff out there works. Yeah, the equipment's definitely improving a lot. Like just the second and third generations of the wings are are so much better than what what we used to ride in the beginning. Yeah, another thing, a lot of people on the beach ask me about packing. Plans. A lot of people have trouble packing. Oh, tacking, um, yeah. Yeah, the biggest thing I noticed, and actually Alan Cadiz taught me taught me how to pack, is people switch the wing switch their hands on the wing way too late, um, and that. So, so they'll, they'll go into attack and forget to, and, and don't switch their hands and then they end up falling backwards mm -hmm. or there's too much drag. So in attack, if you come in with, with, with a decent amount of speed, you can actually switch your hands super early. And by switching your hands and bringing the wing over your head, it'll, it'll force the rest of your body and foil to follow um, and keep you in control the whole time. And that, that actually usually does the trick for people. So if anybody out there is having trouble packing, switch your hands super early. Yeah, that's a good tip. Usually works. And then talking to my dad because because he learned to pack on his own, and he said riding behind people who are good at packing and, and watching as they do it really helps. Yeah, I think what I've learned too is you want to throw the wing over your head, but I think with the backhand before you let it go, you kind of throw it so that it. Yep tips over so that when it when you grab it on the other side it's already in the right position you don't have to like bring it over to the other side yeah i when i pack i always give my my backhand a little like push right and let the momentum of the wing bank it over so that way when you grab it on the other side it's already in the right position you yeah. go right away you don't have to like um, bring it over yeah. back into the power position yeah totally those are good tips yeah um 
What about fo the foiling part of the turn? I guess you want to keep the foil high, but not too, like I, I, when I started tacking, I noticed I overfoiled a lot. I would breach, I would go into it like too fast, too high. And then I would focus on the wing and I would just breach because I was going too fast. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just be comfortable in the foil. and uh, If you're comfortable breaching the tip of your wing and turns just a little bit, that, that'll help a lot because generally uh, if you come into attack the, the tip's going to come out a little bit i don't know just, just being comfortable in foil uh, be comfortable with your drives be, com be comfortable with your wing handling and you should get it pretty fast especially the the front side tacks i find pretty easy but the going backside is a little bit more tricky like when you have to throw mm -hmm. it behind you grab it yeah and then for the more advanced riders if you want to get a better acceleration out of your tack as you come through the wind and slow down use progressively more back foot pressure. If you come up, when you get back on the power, you want to be as high on the mast as possible because then you can accelerate down the mast and, and use yeah, your gravitational potential energy. That's a good pointer. I've noticed too, like when I kick out of a wave and attack kicking out, like once mm -hmm. I get over the tip of the wave, I actually point my nose down and I push yeah. down the backside. And then you get a little bit of speed coming off the back of the wave. And yeah. if you don't do that, you can end, end up easily breaching because your foil will come up too high mm -hmm. as you're kicking out. So that same thing as when you're pro yeah. and kicking out. Yeah, yeah, interesting. About also about the wing sizes, jumping. I've I've jumped some really big wings and some and some really small wings and. Seems like a three five is a pretty good balance or four meter because I notice on the big wings I can't get enough speed. There's too much drag on it, and I can't get enough speed for a, a, a good high pop. Depends on, the, on your foil too, but and on, on too small of a wing, you just come down super hard, and it doesn't have the the power to rip you up. Um, also foil dependent, like the, the Spencer's foils must be. Have, I think they have crazy pop. Um, and so do so do Kai's new stuff. Kai's new foils have insane pop and that really helps you in that initial acceleration yeah the foil matters a lot and then i've actually gotten some of my biggest jumps on a 5.8 like a really big wing in relatively okay. light wind but it's being so that powered too. up and the thing is just like a parachute pulling me up like it's almost like kite surfing and, and then you can just yeah. get a lot of hang time too because you got that big canopy over you and just that's soft. true i'm used to jumping in a lot of wind over here right definitely yeah. a, a medium a wind. wing but in, in light wind yeah i can Great. see the tree outside your window it looks like the uh, wind's kind of coming up huh it's getting good today be a Hopefully. Good today <laughs> yeah it, it it looks pretty glassy on the north shore can you see the water but i can see the water from here nice um, nice but i think it'll come up enough should be it should be a fun day of foiling so I talked to Annie Riker too, and I guess you guys go out together sometimes or you foil, wing foil together? Or? Yeah, I, I see her all the time at Sugar Cove. She's down there a lot, so Kai and the Spencers. Yeah. It's, it's She's pretty, pretty cool. amazing, I have to say, for the stuff she does. Pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that, that whole area too and is crazy. It's just unbelievable for progression, being around that good of riders and seeing inspiration from every, what everybody else is doing. It's pretty special. So who else do you think would be good to interview for this show? And in particular, I'm trying to stick with wing people that wing foil and can share some experience on wing foiling, especially, you know? Yeah. You've done Alan Cadiz, who, um, maybe Damien Jordan, who does 
they did the wing rise wings and, and a designer, few others yeah. would be good designer um he's a lot he's had a lot of experience designing wings and kites and um, he'd be good Ooh. um all the kids are great yeah it's tricky i always recommend yeah, i, like I always recommend just, uh, said to interview mark rapahorse so and, and you oh yeah mark would be mark would be good too he's an interesting guy and, and has has had so much experience building boards yeah he's a funny um, guy too he's gonna try to great. get him on the show for sure i know it's more wing swelling centered but but dave kalama is, is an amazing guest yeah i'd love um, to have him on the show too yeah yeah has, has has he, some... have you seen dave kalama wing foiling at all has he done tried it or not really not really actually alex figaro might be interesting um oh, he's, yeah he's been obsessed with going real fast and like breaking his own speed records um i actually saw him leaving for a down i, I was leaving for a downwinder with a few guys yesterday and I, we saw him out of malaya pumping up his wing <laughs> with his with his high speed front wing and gonna go do some speed runs over there uh, pretty amazing it's going really fast yeah i'd love to talk to alex too that's a good idea yeah yeah cool yep all right so another question i always ask everybody is during the pandemic a lot of people are struggling either feeling lonely or depressed or anxious mm -hmm. and so on so what do you do when you have a bad day or like how do you have any kind of pointers to keep your positive outlook and and stay happy for me lucky we live hawaii i was able to get in the water pretty much every day and that's the biggest thing for me it's just just getting out in nature getting some exercise every day it makes a huge difference and yeah just having a passion you can follow helped me a lot that's a good answer. Yeah. It's, yeah. Getting on the water is like therapy, right? If you're, if you're yeah. feeling, feeling down, yeah, it's hard, it's, to, hard not to be happy when you're on the water. And Maui especially, and, and winging even more, is, is uh, winging on Maui is, is a fairly safe COVID-wise thing to do. You're out in the open in 25 knots of wind um, in the water. And, and you can see these people, you can make friends at the beach and see these people every day. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Actually, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. I know, like in the paper, it said recently that there's a church on Maui like that had a COVID outbreak and they still wanted to have their Easter service and whatever. So how do you yeah. feel about that whole thing? It's tricky over here, but we've been having a lot of cases recently. But on the upside, I, see, I hear about and see and meet more and more people every day that have been getting vaccinated, especially locals. And that makes that'll make a big difference as far as just people's overall comfort and helping control it. The other thing I, that, that seems like a big problem, it's hard to get actual actual numbers or information on it, but walking around tourist areas is, is pretty pretty shocking. There's a ton of people. Like I, I went to Lahaina recently or Holly, and there's a lot of people not really minding uh, I'm on vacation. I do whatever. Yeah, um, I just got my second shot yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I get my second shot on the 12th. Oh, nice. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky in Hawaii that, or I guess in the U.S., that um, mm -hmm. we're able to get vaccines. A lot of places in the world don't even have a lot of vaccines. Totally. So, and Hawaii has been doing really well. I heard L.A. is doing amazing. They have 200 cases a day. Yeah. Just in L.A., which compared to Hawaii is, is such a low percentage for the population. 
Yeah, and I think California right now is actually pretty low, but then there's other spots in the country that are still really bad. And then Super high. in Europe, yeah. they're having another outbreak too. And then those new, mm-hmm. the new strains are nasty too, more they spread. I just read an article, you might find that interesting too. In The Economist, it was talking about bees, honeybees. They actually vaccinate their babies. Like the, the queen bee gets... Really? Yeah, they just had some research, I guess, the, the worker bees feed the queen bee like this royal jelly and and that contains mm-hmm. like some virus particle protein particles and then wow they make their own vaccine that they inject into the baby bees or something i don't know but it's pretty cool so they're, yeah. they have the original vaccine vaccinations program what i love the, the great thing about the, the, the this vaccine in particular is just the, the huge jump in, in technology it, it created yeah um, and so much money was put into it and, and so much effort that it's affecting it it's affecting other things too. So I think I just saw they're developing a way better HIV vaccine and it was, they're using some part of a recent development to uh, prevent you from having to inject insulin. So you could take it as a pill. Hmm. So things like that are amazing. I'm definitely a big believer in, in putting money into, into science and, and development because that's where the you can do amazing things when, with enough funding. Earlier, you touched that you're pretty happy right now doing what you're doing, being a designer and being going on the water every day and doing both together, which I think is awesome. And I don't yeah. see a reason why you shouldn't just do that and why go to school if you're having fun. But if you went to school, what would be the, the university you would pick? I'm not sure yet. I, I, didn't like, I didn't like school that much. I didn't do great in school. And I spent most of the time thinking about <laughs> boats and, and, and kiting and surfing. Yeah, it, I'd have to find a, a school that would, that would fit me really well in that way. I definitely thought about, I have a dual citizenship with the Netherlands. because My dad was born there. Oh, nice. um, so I could go study in Europe for an EU, an EU price. Which is basically free. You don't have attractive to option. Yeah, you can go somewhere and I can live there and I, I'm a citizen. So only good uh, Do you speak Dutch? I, I, I understand it better than I speak it, and it definitely helps my understanding. If I spend two weeks in Europe, then, then I'm kind of caught, caught back up, and I can order food and understand most conversation. Yeah, no, that's definitely cool. That would be a good experience, too, to live in Europe for a while. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I guess you can Not still, right now, though. You can still wing foil. Yeah, not right now, but you, I guess you could still wing foil. It just kind of gets freezing cold in the winter, so we're definitely pretty lucky here in Hawaii that we yeah. can go out every day of the year without freezing your ass off. Right? My grandparents live in a, in, a, in a small town on the Eichelmere in Holland. And well, the downwinding, yeah, North Sea. Mm-hmm. The, the downwinding there would be absolutely, like, unbelievable. Forge level. Yeah, they um, get a lot of wind. Go, you could go for 100 miles down the coast. <laughs> and, Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Pretty epic. So one one day, cross my fingers, I get to go for a downwinder there. I love Holland. Like Amsterdam is such a cool city. If you could live there for a while, it'd probably be a good experience. It's like ahead of the rest of the world with everything. Like, drug, yeah, it's pretty cool. And... Legalization or, or just being tolerant of things like gay marriage and all that stuff. They they were the first on everything. One of the, and one of their big exports is just technology. So they they definitely have a good thing going. Uh, I checked out like Delft University and they actually, when I was over in Holland last time, they had a student design competition for solar uh, electric power, electric foiling boats. Wow. 
And so they were they were doing all these different races with their Flintling boats. It's pretty cool. I actually I saw on, on your um, Instagram feed on the bottom there was like some kind of weird uh, design that you made. What is that one? Let me go back to that. It looked like you built some kind of model or something here. This thing. What is that? Oh yeah, that was an old that was an old drone I broke and put it on a little skateboard and, and I don't know made a, made a car out of it. it fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it worked fun. It worked great actually. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I thought of it, I thought of something interesting back then too. I I would crash my glider and and break the fuselage apart and have all these extra wings. And so I thought, well, what if you just connected the wings at the center and put them on a big like an A-frame with a pivot point at the top and had your wing pivot back and forth as a sail? So when you tack, the wing would do this and it would do that, and you could use an airplane wing for it. Wait, wait, I, 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 I didn't really catch that. Okay. Explain it again. So this is your airplane wing, right? Okay. And you have a boat or, or a car or something, something that can move. If you take your airplane wing and put it on a pivot point up here, mm-hmm. it would pivot and you could run that way or it would pivot and run the other way. Okay. Um, I thought of using my airplane wings for that. Turns out it's a lot like wings. And I, I recently I've been thinking maybe I could build a, like an airplane wing and use it for winging. A solid wing. That would probably be the fastest. If you, it would be so fast. If you just want speed, then obviously a rigid, the inflatable wings are really aerodynamically not very efficient because they're so fast. So, yeah, there's totally some improvement that can be made on a racing side. I, I don't think it needs to happen because it would be bad from the accessibility side, the ease of use side. And I, that's probably the most important part of the sport is making sure everybody can do it and everybody can have a good competitive fun time. Um, so that's where the, the current design is. They really excel. Just the ease of use e- and all, all that. Easy to use, easy to transport. You can perform at a really, still perform at a really high level with it. Look at, yeah, look at the jumps people are doing. Tituan and, and the Spencers and Kai, Baldsmuller, yeah. Rediculo on Instagram. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he does some crazy stuff. What are some moves that you're currently working on or do you have anything that you're trying to do that you're not quite... Yeah, there? getting better at 360 with the wing and then going into some flips. Thing on right like now. kind of spinning with the wing. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Like I've been trying those too and I've been like, you're basically turning the board into the wind and then bringing the wing around. What's the secret? I, I've, I always struggle on the landing. I, I, I'm having a hard time pulling those off. What worked best for me was, first of all, not pointing super high up wind before you do it. So bear off a little bit, maybe okay. start at a reach, practice in light wind, and don't use a super short mass. So probably an 80 centimeter mass would be good, or more would be good for it. Make sure you can do a 360 in the surf off the back of a wave. So if you have surf foil, just pump out, get your 360s down off the back of a wave. And then for, for the wing part of it, it's tricky. What I like to do is jump and basically shove the wing back as I'm rotating and then bring it over my head as I come around. But that, that first initial rotation where your body rotates before the wing uh, will make a big difference. Okay. Yeah. It's like you turn the board before the rest of the body kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I'm starting to, I, I want to do a more and more tweaked out. So instead of just a flat 360, I want to do like a, 
like a more backflipy 360. I mean, yeah, the ones Baltz Muller does those backflips where he goes up and then he flips the wing and then yeah. he around with the rest of the body. And that, that looks super cool too, but I'm just not brave enough to try that yet. <laughs> I think, yeah, the biggest obstacle for me was commitment because it's way more intimidating before you do it than after you do it. Yeah. Just, Actually, just the commitment of, of Sorry, pointing the wrong way and doing the 360 is, is way scarier than the crashes. So what I like to do is, is go into one and just you just have to get in your head and be like, okay, this crash isn't going to hurt. Realistically, you're going to be totally fine. And you do one and you crash. You do another and you crash and get used to crashing. All right. Um, yeah. And then once, once you do that, you're comfortable sending it harder and harder into, into different rotations. Which video is it where you're doing a 360 on a prone board? Do you know, is it this one or this one? Or like, I was going to ask board. you. Like you're doing 360s on the wave with the prone board. Oh, like a carving? Yeah, carving 360. Let's talk about you doing the three 360s on the wave. Walk us through that move a little bit. Yeah, the first few times I had a lot of trouble. What would happen is I'd pump way out in front of the wave, and it felt like no matter how far I pumped in front of the wave, I couldn't make it back around in time. And I, I tried that forever and could, could never do it. But the trick that helps a lot was to pump out in front of the wave and then wait like a second where you, where you just stop pumping for a second when you're way out ahead. And that'll slow you down enough that when you do the, the spin, you, you don't, you can actually make a tight enough turn for the wave. The other thing is you don't need to lean over super hard. If you do that one second wait, you just do a normal bottom turn and it works out. Interesting. I think Clinton Yap had some, I think he's doing it. I've watched Watch. That. Watch how he pumps to the bottom and then wait. Yeah. I, this is just a question out of curiosity. Like how much of your skills would you say are from like pure talent and like natural ability and how much is from just hard work and repetition and keep trying and practicing? I don't really like to believe that you like a natural talent, but I credit a lot of my skills to knowing what's going on with the foil. I, I like the first few times I tried the first, what I thought of, Oh, this is just like flying a plane. I'm, I'm flying a plane underwater. And further from that, knowing what, how the foil works and how it'll do it, what it'll do in different situations helps understand what I'll feel when I put it in those situations. Like, Oh, what happens when I put it in the foam or how does my board Re redirect water or, or just really paying attention to yeah what you're what you're feeling and what's happening with your gear um, when you do those well, things also, so it's not just talent and practice it's also like understanding how it works and mentally and basically and visualizing it basically or another thing that helps everybody obviously time on the water i've i've had so much time on the water but um watching video of yourself anyone no matter how good you are or, or how new you are to the sport, getting someone to take a video of you and watching that and either, either having someone who's better than you look at it and tell you what they think or just comparing it to videos of, of, of people who are good at it and just pay, pay attention to what they do with their body, what, what they do with their head. Yeah, mostly body positioning. That'll make a big difference. I, so emulating other other people's like they yeah. can already do the move you're trying right yeah that, that's a good one we, we yeah. were talking before the interview too and 
I thought that was really interesting. You said that if you listen to a podcast or listen to a mm -hmm. conversation like this that we're having, then on the way to the beach, and then you go out and, and you just in the right state of mind already. So can you? Yeah, I, I always get super stoked. <laughs> Either if I meet someone, sometimes I'll talk to someone who's like a, a aeronautical engineer or something. And, and damn, after that, you're so psyched and, and in such a good mindset to go foil. Or, or you listen to a, a great podcast or a long-form video, and it, it puts you in that analytical headspace where when you foil, you, you, you can pay attention to exactly what you're doing. And, 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 and as you're doing it, you think about, well, what's my body doing? What's my foil doing? How's my setup feel? And it definitely helps with your focus. I think yeah. once... I, I, one of my goals for every move, every wave is simplify it in my head as much as I can. The, the less I think and the more goes on subconsciously, the better I arrive. So I try and boil everything down to, to where I look. Um, you get everything subcon controlled in your subconscious. So when you want to do something, you just look in, in certain places and it happens. So like a cutback. Instead of thinking about what my, instead of actively thinking about everything, I just look back and train your body to, to do everything it needs. Um, because that frees up a lot of headspace for learning new tricks or, or it frees up a lot of mental space for, for quick reactions to things. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think we all know that feeling when, that you get when everything just works out perfectly and yeah. you're less in sync. So how, like, how would you describe that? Like the perfect mindset and, and where everything just meshes together in your body and mind just work together perfectly and stuff and end with nature, you know? Yeah, that definitely lines up with the less going on in my head. So sometimes you, you that, just get in the right. You were just saying you try to analyze it and stuff like that, but in a way but that you analyze kind it, of can be counterproductive. You don't, you don't analyze it in the moment. That's the important right. thing. Yeah. You got to analyze it before and after. Yeah, um, I think so. And, and, and yeah, the, you just the more it, when you're doing it, you just have to let it happen, right? Or something. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. And that's why I also covered a big part of everything I do to just having a really well-tuned setup. If your setup is well-tuned, you don't have to think about compensating for it. And it doesn't do anything unexpected. And that, that helps you get in that, that kind of flow state of, yeah, of, of where everything just lines up and, and works perfectly. Yeah, I love that. That's another thing I want to ask you because you you obviously try a lot of different gear and change things around and test different things. But the flip side of that, to me, if I have a setup that works, I just like mm -hmm. to just use it exactly the way I used it last time. Don't change yeah. anything and then just know how it feels. And then right away, I can get into that flow versus when you're trying something new, then you always have to spend some time learning it figuring it out and it like after a while if you're using the same setup over and over then it becomes almost like part of your your yeah totally system man that's part of who i explain it i try and do it a lot i try and change my setups even when the waves are really good if if, if you ride one setup for too long you, I, I feel myself losing perspective on how it works in the general world of things so by changing things up a lot I'm, or, or, or trying a lot of different gear, I, it kind of gives me a, a good reference of how other things work. And it's important that you try new stuff when the conditions are good, as well as when the conditions are bad. It's easy to, it's easy to say, oh, the, the wind sucks today. I might as well just try, try my different tailing or, or move the mast 
But when it's epic, it's hard to do that. And also if you don't have much time because you don't want to have to come back in to change yep. track or something like that, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's, for example, Tofoil. I've I, I Tofoiled a few times and that's just such a good way to dial in your gear because you can you bring you bring your tail wings and your tools and your whatever, everything on the ski in epic conditions. You get so many waves that you, you have your fill. And I usually start with trying the most, I, I try the most experimental stuff first. Um, I try the stuff that doesn't work first. And then I figure, oh, this doesn't work. If, I, if, if I'm not fresh and if it doesn't feel good fresh, it's, it's not going to work. Um, then slowly you change. And I always try and end my session with something that does work really well because that, that puts you in that positive kind of thinking where you're like, oh, that was such a good session versus ending on something that doesn't work ruins it. <laughs> Yeah, I see. That's always what I always tried to end every session with a good wave or a good move. Or yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't want to, if you just crash and you're like, oh, I'm going to go in. It's like, no, I got to do at least one good wave or one good move yeah. or whatever before I go in. And then once you do it, you just, once you do that good move, you have to cut your losses there and just go, okay, look, I can't, that this top set, I'm not going to do anything better. Yeah, no, that, um, that's exactly, that's always the best way to leave the water. Then you can't wait to get out again the next time, right? Yeah. But yeah, especially as a designer, trying setups that other people like is important. Mm. And trying new gear from other manufacturers is important. And it all gives you a good idea of where the sport's moving and what people are happy on and, and, uh, what you could possibly improve on um I, I have a question about that actually so has have you tried something that you thought in theory this is not really going to work i don't think this is going to be good but then you got on it and you were surprised as oh this is actually has merit like as have you had anything like that any experiences like that? i would say these current this my current surf wing uh, i i just like the profile i used on it, i was like Let's just try it. Let's just see what happens because it's it totally again. The one you showed earlier? Yeah. Yeah. This one. The, okay. the airfoil. Super. Went totally against what I thought would work well. And same with some new tailings I tried. But it, it ended up working amazing. Um, I'm, I'm super happy with it. And definitely, it definitely gives you like a wake up moment of, oh, I should. I shouldn't be safe all the time and, and you should try new things. And, and uh, like, I, I really, for example, what Armstrong just did with their sweatback tail, super different design. And it looks like they, they executed it really well. And I've heard it works insane. Right. And I can't yeah. wait to try one. Yeah. Rob, Rob Whittle was saying they, they put it through the, through the America's cup. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a but you know, like <gasps> America's cup foils on those monohull boards, they, um, mm -hmm. or boats, they actually look surprisingly similar to what kind of the shapes that we're using for surfing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting too, because similar to surf foils, they're dealing with breaching the tips. Mm. And what are they using? They're using winglets. Uplets. And it probably makes it way more forgiving. Mm. Um, I'm, I'd love to talk to, to, to some of those foil designers. Because... Yeah. That'd be fascinating. I mean, reaching sure. on one of those big boats is a whole different. Yeah, that's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they definitely use different foil sections, but like the general, yeah, it's generally a, a similar shape should work. They're they're definitely doing some interesting things with like flex. They've got to be 
using flex in crazy ways on those big wings. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to to get some perspectives on their their design ideas, but it's probably all top secret. Oh yeah, guaranteed. They're not. They probably have non disclosure agreements there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm super keen on trying all that new Armstrong gear because their their high aspect looks thick. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I would guess that is the most efficient on the market right now. That um, the eleven twenty five high aspect, it's like yeah. nine nine point eight to one aspect ratio. We're, we're getting some of yeah, it's like a hundred hundred five centimeter span. Ridiculous. So um, I actually had a question: the aspect ratio is it just the um, the ratio between the width and the the like that divided by that, or is it like what is what does it's it actually the ratio of the width to the area? Oh, the width to the area. Okay. Yeah. So the the way you calculate it is wingspan squared divided by area. Ah, uh, okay. So for example, yeah, hundred centimeters squared, and then you divide it by area, and you get your you get your uh, you get your aspect ratio. Okay. Cool. Well, I really appreciate your time. We spent over two hours already. So any, yeah. anything else you want to leave people with? I, I think everybody's going to love this interview. It's awesome. We get talked about some really cool, interesting stuff, I think. Yeah. Check for more general information. Check out the, my, my Shopify. I've been trying, I've been working on some blog posts there. I just want to post a bunch of just general foil information, tips like we talked about for winging, tips for learning, you know, maybe a little more in-depth into design. And I want to do some reviews on just gear I like. I think that, that would be helpful because not every, I'm on all custom gear, but for everybody else, what gear works good? What, what gear do I like? So I think it'll be cool posting. Yeah. Who are the people that support you the most? Who do you want to thank for supporting you and so on? Definitely Mark Rappers, uh, Damian Gerard and Dennis Parton from who, who does my CNC and, and finishing on the tails. Um, they've been amazing. Yeah. Shout out to all those guys and shout out to everybody on Maui, just pushing it and keeping the vibe positive and um, everybody's stoked and, and it's a good environment. Awesome. All right, Kane. Thanks so much. And maybe in a year or so, I'll try to get you back on the show so you can share your latest, yeah. latest stuff that you're working on. And stuff like that. So, I'd love and to. I, I really appreciate that you shared all your stuff on your computer and stuff. I, I think a lot of people would have been more secretive about that. So super cool. Yeah. The whole spirit of this sport and sharing and, and enjoying it together. That's super cool, I think. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, All right, Kane. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Congratulations. You made it to the very end of the interview. And like I said before, if you're still listening now, this show is for you. You're part of a very elite group of about 5% of the people that actually watch the whole thing. So congratulations. You're as crazy about wing foiling as I am. And I hope you enjoyed every minute of it as much as I did. I think I could have kept on going forever. And I actually did, we did keep on going a little bit. So if you're interested in printing 3D shims for your foils or designing your own foils and the programs that Kane uses and so on, super cool how much he shared here. He didn't really hold back anything. So thank you again, Kane, for being so open and sharing. I really appreciate that. This show is made possible by Blue Planet customers that support our business and make it possible for me to make shows like this. And I want to say a special thanks 
to customers who ordered the PPC wings over the last week since I posted that review last weekend. And two weeks ago, I posted the interview with Sam Loader, the designer of the PPC wings. So I just want to give a special shout out to those customers who ordered the PPC wings last week. You made this show possible. You're the sponsors of the show. So thank you, Matt and James from Hawaii, Brooke and Dominique from California, Mario from Germany, and everyone else who supports our business. And if you're not already a Blue Planet customer, next time you're ready to buy some equipment, please consider us. And I think you'll find we have excellent equipment, great service, and fair prices. Please check out blueplanetsurf.com and support the Blue Planet Show. So at the end of these interviews, I'm gonna always try to have a special message for those of you who are still watching, the five percenters out there. And basically today my message is, please remember to have fun, share the experience, help others, be safe, and be inclusive. So let's keep the sport fun and enjoyable for everyone. So thanks for watching. Please give it a thumbs up if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. The videos are always ad-free for the first week, so get to watch them right away when we post a new video by subscribing and clicking on that little bell icon so you get notified when a new video gets posted. And keep watching because there's some more bonus material coming after the outro. Thanks again for watching. See you on the water. Aloha. If you look at the, at the SHIB section, there should be a, a, a download link to like a Google Drive of a bunch of STL, STL files. This is for if anybody wants to design their own tail. I try, I think I have the MSC connection on there. I have the Armstrong tail connection on there. This should be compatible with A+. And I try and keep everything relatively open because I don't see why uh, like it, it's all, it's all uh, public stuff. If you go and, and look one, you can measure it. I like helping anyone out who's, who's looking into designing their own gear. That's super cool. Would, would you be able to coach someone? If I wanted to learn how to do this kind of stuff, would you be able to do like private coaching on how to use the 3D software and stuff like that? Yeah, maybe. And I could definitely direct you to some good online resources for it too. But yeah, that's that. I'll try to make that part of my site and, and give a lot of good information on foil design um, and, and choosing different designs and what they do better or worse. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. So people have the information. I'm pretty good at using shape 3D to design boards. And I guess mm -hmm. they made them, you're able to design foils on there too. I just haven't really played around with it yet. What Actually, software do you use? I, I use mostly XFLR5, which is a plain, whatever analysis and uh -huh. kind of design program. And I use like uh, Rhino 7 for, for surfacing and for actually creating the, the models. Hmm. But one program that I really like, it's called FinFoil. Uh, and it's this guy I met through Instagram who had a, there's an applet on the website that you can use, but he made, he made a program or a website that lets you design fins really easily for windsurf fins. And they have all, you can export it in all these different file types. And he just has been updating it for foil design. And actually it, for just designing wings, aside from connections and everything, it might be the best foil design software out there because you can export it into XFLR5, which is the analysis, per, which is an analysis program. You can export it into SolidWorks STL for 3D printing. You can do a whole lot with it. And he's a smart guy. He's a super That's super guy. cool. So definitely check out, yeah, FinFoil. That's a good tip. Appreciate that. Any other cool stuff you want to share? <laughs> That's super interesting. Cool stuff. 
Yeah, tinfoil's great. Anyone looking oh, for like it? For the cutting out, like the, those G10, you said Dennis, or, like Hawaii, what is it? What was it called? Chromax? Oh, yeah. Chromax, yeah. Like way back in the day, windsurfing. Yeah, so he has like a CNC machine and he cuts out the G10 foils for you? He has, he has a, few, uh, a couple of CNC machines and yeah, I send him, to, I do the design and testing and he does the, he does the actual construction of it. So tons of credit to him because these definitely wouldn't be what they are without his insane perfectionism. Do, do you have to hand finish it or is it, does it come out of the machine almost? No, he, he hand finishes it. And that's what makes a big difference. It's just the hand finishing on it is perfect. Whatever I design in the file down to the, down to hundredth of a millimeter, you can see in, in the finished product. I, my, the first wing I designed and, and prototype, it was like real thick beginner foil, basically foiler. And the sample I got that was uh, G10 fiberglass, it was like, it probably weighed like 30 pounds in the front wing. And, and I, maybe not that much, but it was super heavy and just get, getting it yeah. into the water is really hard. And I thought, no, this thing is not going to work. It's just too heavy. But then flying it the first time, I was like blown away. It felt so smooth and steady and yeah. like it was just really nice in the water. And it wasn't really a disadvantage. Like, how does it, do you, have you had that kind of experience with those real heavy? Yeah, one thing, this material, is, it, I really like because it's super consistent. And plus with CNC machining, like every tailwing you get is going to feel exactly the same. There's no differences due to layoffs or they're all the same strength. They will all flex the same. They're all exactly the same shape. And I've been riding heavy gear for, for a while, actually. Like this setup, it's pretty heavy. It's an aluminum fuselage and a solid G10 front wing. Mm -hmm. uh, like for example, my 800 front wing weighs one point, almost 1.2 kilos, just the wing. And so it's like downwind front wing twice is twice as heavy as say an arm oh, yeah. foil or setup or something like that. But yeah, so my, how does down, that... my downwind front wing is a beast. Uh, so how does that? And I don't really notice it. So in the it water, seem to make a difference. Yeah, unless you're the doing only, big airs or something like that. Well, I'm, I'm also doing pretty big, I've been doing pretty big airs on it, and it's fine. Strapless airs, different story. <laughs> and maybe like crazy rotations, probably different story. But uh, for most of your riding, it really doesn't make a, big, make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the comp comparing aluminum mass to carbon mass and different, um, I guess? I like the feel of carbon mass more because uh, especially tapered design, tapered carbon masks are great. You can, because the, the flex is really important is near the base plate. Uh, and on a carbon mask, you can have that thick and have the bottom still thin for low drag. Uh, it's, it's a nice reactive feel. Aluminum masks are great though, but the Nash aluminum mask is pretty impressive because it's reasonably stiff, but it's insanely light. And even I've rode the, the Axis aluminum mask a ton, Mm -hmm. Don't have a problem with it, especially for towing. If, if you're not in the air, like you can ride such a heavy setup and it, it, it works just fine. Yeah, I think for towing, actually, it's helpful to have a little bit heavier gear. I mean, especially the board. Yeah. You to have a little bit more weight in the board and the foil, I think, actually. Yeah. And like you know, smaller surfing, pumping, as long as your board's light. If you're, your board, actually, not even your board doesn't even have to be light. As long as the nose and tail are light, you're pretty set. <laughs> Mostly about swing. Um, low swing weight in the board. Yeah, yeah. swinging the, swinging a big heavy board around will will take more, way more energy than a, than a big heavy foil. Yeah, um, and that'll make the biggest difference to your riding. Good to yeah. Know.
the board the board makes a bigger difference than a lot of people realize uh, you can write anything once you're in the air yeah like that little bodyboard you're yeah. writing cool uh, that wasn't fun to touch down on cool i think i'm gonna let you go now so you can get in the water do something fun yeah i gotta go shift some sails out so yeah awesome Kate. Sweet. thanks so much take care have a yeah no problem